Market Overdrive. I am your host, Carla Mina, residential real estate broker with Cole Banker. How are you, Javier? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, under a lot of pressure here. I showed up late, so no. So you officially apologize to our I'm audience. I'm officially apologizing to everyone and the mod for squad. the delay. Everybody who arrived here at 8 a.m. to try to prep for the 8 show. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. I was here at 8 a.m. I apologize for that. <laughs> so what's up? Two weeks in a row. What's your friend? I know. I got uh, David Lotan here, actually. He did such a remarkable job in the last, in the last show that we had on here, so I definitely thought that he could cu- definitely come on. And, I was uh, give talking us a about your other hand. friend, but okay. Which other friend? <laughs> the Eilon dude. I know. What? <laughs> What? Where is he? I don't know. It's been more than 48 hours, so I think the Amber Alert is officially going to be sent today. Yeah, we're kind of concerned. I know. What's going on? Officially? We I can't start without Nick? He's out there, right? Okay. I think that's why we were late, because we're waiting on Nick to arrive. He's going to come back with like a full beard and everything? <laughs> is that what's going to happen? I have no clue, but Amber Alert, you've seen Amber Nick Alert. around to let him know Mod Squad's waiting for him. <laughs> Anyway, happy Wednesday, everybody. Yes, please go ahead and introduce your guest and also your topic for the day. Uh, well, here with Newman Realty, David Lotan. What? How's it going, guys? And he's back. back. I, I thought I locked the door. Oh, really? It's <laughs> wide open for me. So <laughs> wide open. Red carpet and everything. There you go. So happy to see you back. I'm very excited to be here. We Last have time a great we... topic, too, right? Yeah, great mm-hmm. topic today. It's very timely. It's all about bidding awards because, of course, everybody's distraught. Everybody's irate. I'm actually doing showings tonight, and I'm walking in with a purchase contract, correct? Lucero's in the house. Everybody, if you don't know, Equity Partners. My business partner, Lucero, is in the studio, and she's actually drafting an offer right now because apparently there is no inventory, and we're looking at the property. It's like a tight budget, and I think like we should really talk about like the different price points and what, what's tighter than not. David, mm-hmm. you want to start? Well, I think uh, as, a, as a whole, the entire market is like suffering from a very significant lack of inventory. A lot of that is that values haven't you know, climbed back to the point where sellers are comfortable necessarily pulling the trigger, selling for the price that they want. Um, I, more neighborhoods, certain neighborhoods, you're seeing West Town over there, Humboldt Park, areas like that, that are appreciating a lot faster and values are climbing and we're seeing Almost every listing that hits the market, you're going to go into a multiple offer situation. Yeah. Um, but again, that varies neighborhood to neighborhood. So I don't know where your showings are, but uh, we'll see. So that's uh, exciting stuff there. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I also want to add that it has also to do with the fact that people, when they – you know, the buyers, when they originally bought, they were buying as first-time buyers. And now they're going to be step-up buyers. But then when they're looking at what is the next step or what's available in their next step, like a, like a bigger-size home, um, prices are crazy. So they're looking at their conditions, and maybe they bought something in 2008 that was new construction, crumb molding, granite countertops. Um, and now when they're looking into that step-up home that's a larger home, you're looking at – a higher price point so it used to be like okay you go in from 350 and maybe you go now into like a 450 or 550 now in order to have that single family house you're spending 700 right mm-hmm. and so that step up next level is kind of out of their price uh, range and also like you said there's not enough equity for them to take out the proceeds of that home to move into the na- uh, the next one there you go so yeah, yeah there's the, there's a huge gap and of course first time buyers are seeing it very tough out there what are you seeing out there Javier you know what I feel bad for the first time home buyer just because I think they're not their expectations of exactly what the process is going to be to actually find the home is a little bit different um, than where I think it was probably a couple of years ago when the market was hot and we were all definitely thinking about um, exactly 
you know, it's a buyer's market. You can go in, you can possibly, you know, put in a low ball offer, things like that. So it's just expectations have completely realigned in a matter of like six to 12 months. So that's definitely something that I definitely think that buyers have to kind of align themselves and really have that discussion with everyone in the transaction, their lender, you know, their real estate agent of setting the expectations of exactly how long it's going to take to actually find their home. Um, just because a lot of people right now, they're saying, hey, we put in a bid that's about two or $5,000 over what the listing price was, and they still lost out. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of setting those expectations and letting them know that they're going to have to be very prepared and maybe go a little bit further and beyond uh, what they need to do to make sure that when they do present those offers and they are in a situation where they're going to ha- be in a bidding war, that they're preparing the best offer that they possibly can and put it on the table. Right. So going back to like just the market conditions and what's happening, I mean, we hear it from you guys. We know that it's a tight market and it's really hard and it's so depressing when you're you're submitting offers and then you're getting you're losing those bids. I mean, like that's the worst situation for us as realtors because we're always saying we're going to find you that dream home. We're going to be able to help you. But then we're you know, we're getting into these bidding wars and then we're losing out. And I've seriously had like this specific client has written two offers already. And it's not like that we're not like ready to pull the trigger. You know, it's just that by by the time we send it. And I really hate when realtors do this. Um, they don't update the MLS, right? So obviously we have to call before we even schedule those appointments to make sure that, you know, they're not negotiating or finalizing negotiations on a deal. But like you said, David, in some of those areas like Hubble Park, Logan Square, Wicker Park, I mean, you can't touch anything without like having to deal with bidding wars. So going into the showings, you already know that, you know, you're potentially going to be in that predicament. Yeah. What else do you um, are you seeing out there in the marketplace? Well, like, like kind of to tag team off of what you're saying. I also am going on showings with a client of mine coming into town tomorrow. Um, we had about eight properties lined up to see kind of in the Edgewater area, which I, you know, I was a little bit surprised to hear this. But as of this morning, I had about six of those showings no longer able to show. So wow. uh, all have accepted offers in the last two days since I scheduled them. I mean, that's really going hand in hand with what we're trying to say here is that time is of the essence. Um, the market is not waiting for anybody. And if you want something, you have to go get it. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. And like you're saying, you need to over, you know, pay a little bit over what we're asking. Um, and there are different ways that you can use your agent that we'll probably go over today um, in terms of different uh, negotiation tactics or just relationship building tactics that the agents would have in place in order to help you a first time, second time, whatever buyer succeed in this kind of this market. Now, what price points? Let's play a little bit more in the marketplace. So let's focus on like market conditions, specifically what's happening in the market that you're seeing, so that we can, you know, I I just want to make sure that our audience understands that they're not alone, and this is happening to everybody. So when you're getting frustrated at your realtor because you're you're not seeing the product out there, you're not winning these. Like, why is it? What's happening in the market? Obviously, we're realtors, we're lenders, and we're practicing. We're in the trenches, so we know what's happening. um, I just want to say add- the price point is definitely where it really dictates exactly the lack of inventory. Um, in a lot of cases, I'm seeing a lot of my home buyers who are you know only qualified for up to you know 350 thousand have a lot of limitation and maybe have to do that a little bit of a longer search. Um, just because that inventory is more for that first-time home buyer, that beginner buyer who's you know first time acquiring in some actual form of thirty-year debt, um, in regards to actually buying their first home. So I think that the price point probably has a lot to dictate in regards to that inventory that is available in the marketplace, right? I completely agree. You had some ideas about like price point that you said that wasn't moving very much. What did you? What were you saying earlier? Um, I believe it was nine hundred and fifty thousand and above. So like right now, there's that's a, the the price point that's stagnant. That's 
stagnant, I would say, right now. Especially, resale or new construction? Um, or does it resale, resale or new construction yeah. right now. I would say probably anywhere between 950000 and above. You, you, what do you guys probably have? Maybe 50 to 60 active listings that are all well, it just depends on, on the marketplace, range. right? Because we can't get specific. It all just depends on what area you're searching. But, you, you know, I think that the struggle is within our first-time buyers because they're not seeing a lot of product. Um, I know for, you know, I understand that investors who bought these properties cash when the market was down, um, they're holding on to these products still as rentals. So there's not that opportunity for people to buy them mm-hmm. because they're still being, you know, used as rentals. So we have that lack of inventory. And then, of course, the step-up buy or the existing homeowners are not selling because, like you said, David, there's not enough equity in the properties. Right. And also when they're looking to step up their game, there's nothing available in their price point. So those are the things that are keeping inventory tight. And of course, new construction. Um, that's why when we're pro- putting properties on the market, um, everything just flies off the market. But you know, I want to advise people to, to understand the marketplace and understand what you're looking for. And sometimes you got to be a little bit more flexible with your wants, right? As long as you're in the location, location of your dreams, maybe the condition can be upset um, right. by being in that location and getting it for the price um because i would I, w- I always advise my clients to stay committed to that price point right that budget that monthly carrying cost not the overall like you know three hundred thousand dollar budget but that carrying cost of like principal interest taxes and insurance because once you start deviating from that because you get emotional and you get frustrated then you start to get into a situation where in the future you may not be able to afford uh carrying that product what is your idea what is your take on that david I think you're spot on. I think that. It's Did you hear that? He said spot on. Spot on. See, I like this. It's pretty standard here. This element now, like everybody's like so nice and sweet to each other. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you 100. percent I think that um that, that's one of the biggest factors in what we're dealing with right now. So especially with the again with the first time home buyers and the price points and not being able to necessarily go higher with that uh you know multiple offer situation or over ask because that's where they're capped. First time home buyer, not as much equity, not as much you know income or whatever at that time. And that's kind of, there you go. That's, that's what kind of leads it up, so as you're saying. Okay. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, we talked about market conditions. Let's move on and give what uh, give our viewers or listeners what we basically offer them and promise them, which is how to win these bidding wars. What would you say is your number one advice, starting with let's give them four and give me your first one, David. What is your t- what, what do you think it's going to be the, the way to win bidding wars? No one's ever going to change my opinion on this. The number one thing for me is going to be agent relationships. Knowing the agents that are doing the deals, knowing who's listing, being an agent who's attentive, responsive, helps out other, uh, other agents on a deal, uh, p- just simply picking up your phone. That, that, that's the key. Having a solid name and reputation in the industry with other listing agents, buyer's agents, whatever, um, getting involved in the board and association, these are all ways to help out. And, and, and when you're doing that, you have a good rapport and the other agent you know, puts your offer to the top or whatnot because he's done deals with you. He, he knows that you're able to get this done and you're going to be dedicated to your client. Number one thing, agent relations. That's mine. So. Love it. What so is your screening. take on that? Um, I think it's definitely important. I think that it's very important to make sure, especially in the condo marketplace, right? If you're going to definitely buy a condo, you want to be working with an agent who specifically works with condos and has those relationships because we all know that there's certain people who just dominate those listings, right? They dominate that listing share. So you definitely want to work with someone who is definitely networked in the right um, 
you know, neighborhoods because sometimes you might be someone who's in the suburbs and who's looking to downsize and maybe looking to buy a condo in the city. You might not be able to use your suburban realtor for that. And if they do refer you to someone in their network, it might be someone in their network, you know, through their real estate brokerage or something like that, as opposed to someone who specializes in that market share. So I definitely would say screen, take a look at reviews, ask for recommendations if you can, so that that way you know you're working with someone who knows the market the market share very well it knows the agents who are going to dominate those listings so that that way you could potentially get a little bit of favoritism just because they do have a relationship and they know that the deal is going to get done love it i think it's i mean i agree with everything and i want to add that obviously let's not knock on our rookies who may not have a name for themselves Mm -hmm. or may not know everybody right i mean in some cases the people is like oh it's carla click Uh, but no, seriously, like, I think it's more important for you to talk to the other listing or the listing agent, the agent who is representing the seller, and introduce your buyer to them. Explain to them that I've been in the business for X amount of times or not even like, you know, sometimes I really hate it when agents are like, I've been doing this for 35 years. And I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so about the client, the buyer. Listen, I understand that, you know, maybe we're an FHA buyer. Maybe we need closing cost credits. But I assure you that we're working very diligently with our lender. Here's the lender. Why don't you talk to this lender so that he can walk you through the approval of this loan. Um, basically disclose as much as information about your approval or your proof of funds um, so that the buyer's agent is confident that you're going to get this property you know, from close, from you know, offered to closing. Because some of the times you just don't want to deal with an agent that's, a nov- that's novice about negotiations or the process because it's going to, like, why are you going to take this offer over 20 other offers? You yeah. know, why do you want to work with this realtor? Is this buyer really approved? And then we go into like, you know, how to find that best buyer for my listing, right? Is it going to be uh, a buyer that doesn't have a ton of contingencies or a buyer that doesn't have to like, you know, get closing cost credits? We know we're going to have to jump that FHA and I, I know you love FHA, right? Hey, it's a really good product. Well, but sometimes, unfortunately, guys, if you're buying with an FHA loan product versus putting 5% or 10% or 20% down, then your loan may not have a lot, your offer may not have a lot of leverage mm-hmm. and it's not that we're being snobs or, you know, we hate- If it's a condo, that's where you have your restrictions. But if you're purchasing a single family residence. No, reality, I'm sorry, Javier. Even not... if you're David, if you're selling a property and you have an offer with an FHA loan or a conventional loan, which buyer are you going to take? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to look at all the terms of the offer, obviously, <laughs> but I, I, I do also have a little uh, apprehension when it comes to the FHA because of the different restrictions and different things that are qualified. But yeah, you know, with the FHA, they're gonna, the lender's going to send an appraiser, and the appraiser is yeah. also going to do an inspection. Mm-hmm. And that's when our our sellers are like, okay, I'm going to have a you know a, a deal where 20% down. They're not going to look at inspection. They're not going to like inspect the condition of the property. The property itself doesn't have to qualify for the loan, just the buyer. So why not take that buyer over somebody else but that's going to make us go through? What you guys are forgetting is that conventional financing is really geared towards that, you know, upper tier credit buyer okay mm-hmm. so there's like a I'm big space i'm not knocking space. it javi no, i'm just saying on. that there's when we're negotiating space, you're no, losing leverage but a lot leverage. of people think that fha is really going to be it's a buyer who has lower credit or lower income scores i actually no, currently have a situation right that's now that's not what i, I said i actually have a current buyer right now okay and the main reason why he's not going to go conventional is because he gets better terms. He's going to get a better combination of interest oh, rate and a better combination of yeah. mortgage insurance. I get it. By going with the FHA loan product, this guy's going to do 10% down. So he could definitely go with a conventional loan product. He's going to have higher mortgage insurance because his credit scores aren't in that higher tier where he's going to get the best form of pricing. So right now, the better lending tool for him yeah. is FHA. This and property was just recently it. rehabbed. And yet I'm having this conversation with his list with the listing agent. They don't want to take they don't want to convert the deal to FHA. 
So again, and build we and have report. A borrower, we have a borrower with low DTI. Debt to income ratios. Okay, the debt to income ratios are low. Credit scores are strong enough where we have an approval. Everything is good to go. It's just that we it's a better lending tool for him to do an FHA loan. I completely I agree with you. I have a lot of clients that use FHA to loan say, program. Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep your deal alive unless you go conventional, even though it's a it's a worse lending tool for you and you're gonna have a two hundred dollar higher mortgage payment, but we just want you to do a conventional deal because we just feel better for you to close on the deal conventional. I think that that personally is just a disservice to the client. Irresponsible. Well, let me go back and just clear up the air about FHA. I mean, obviously, we're NMLS two one seven three four three. By the way, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All I'm saying is that they exist, and when you're presenting an offer, and we're talking about bidding wars here, because that's the topic of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when you have a product that when you have a buyer that's coming in with an FHA loan product. The property as a listing agent, I have to qualify that property for that loan. I'm not saying it's a bad loan program. I have so what a, disqualifies a property from FHA? Uh, a lot of things that my client forgot to. Maybe there's chipping paints in that garage and we forgot about it because mm-hmm. it's winter. Chipping paint Chipping paint. You understand how many deals like don't go through just because we have to go and scratch off chipping paint. Or there's loose hanging wires in the basement or the attic that we forgot about because it was the winter and my client forgot about it. Those things, you know, come up in, in, in an appraisal. And then, story, Javi. And True it story. delays the process. So the, the seller's like, okay, why do we have to wait another, you know, 45 days to close mm-hmm. when we could have closed with that conventional buyer? I guess. Again, I'm not frowning upon it. I have a client that's using an FHA loan program because her debt-to-income ratios were a little high. She's a business owner, right? And she she doesn't, you know, she has a lot of, like, deductions, tax deductions. So her debt-to-income ratios are kind of high. So, therefore, she has to go into FHA loan program. I get it. But, you know, what I do is going back to build and report, which is our... Our, you know, our strategy number one is you call that agent and you explain to them, like, listen, my client can afford to fix any FHA repairs that are necessary, so your clients don't have to go out of pocket to do those. Um, she's only using an FHA loan program, not because she doesn't have the money for down payment, but because of her debt-to-income um, restrictions. Right. And so you have to educate that listing agent as to why we're using this product and the fact that we're aware of what, what may come with it so that they can feel comfortable. Like, okay, Carla's going to save the deal. If something happens and the lender says we're going to have chipping paint issues, she's going to go out there and start cleaning that <laughs> windowsill and getting rid of that chipping paint. Right, I David? I have a handyman that could definitely get that done. Okay, and it's okay not perfect. That so then you're a go-to realtor, a lender, who's going to go above and beyond to get your FHA. So that's exactly what you do. You call the realtor and you built report, right? That's so, all we're saying. We're not so saying So you're saying I that the second best tip is to not get an FHA pre-approval letter when you're submitting <laughs> your offers is basically what you guys are That's saying. That's not what I'm saying, David. No. Is he not listening no, to me? we're still on topic one, right. which is <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. Right, I'm going to provide that, uh, that relief in there for next since he, you know, he's absent today. I, I just... You know. Oh, you're going to be mean? I'm going to be mean. I'm going to be mean. The attempt Can at it, I got mean? it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Okay, with your teddy bear face. I'm yeah, going to be mean. It's like boss baby. I know. I'm a boss yeah, baby. You know, anyway, um, going with, going back to um, you know our our strategy number one or you know like secret um, weapon number one, um, I think also time is of the essence, right, uh, David? Mm-hmm. Uh, preparing and be, being prepared, like I said, we have showings tonight, and I'm walking, literally walking in with a, a purchase contract so my clients can sign, electronically sign at location. Um, obviously, sometimes if it's a short sale deal, you don't do um, electronic signatures. They want wet signatures, mm-hmm. but 
time is of the essence, right? Like, what's your what's what do you think about that? It's all about managing your client expectations in that aspect. So we don't we you don't have time right now in a market that we're dealing with currently to go home, ponder it, eat a nice dinner, sleep on it, think about <laughs> it, dream about it. Have whatever. my mom come see it? Exactly. Like, let me talk to my parents, my spiritual advisor, whatever. You don't you don't you don't have time for that in this market. So. The, the reality is, is that it's the agent's job. That's where we're the professionals. They hire you hired us to to find you your home. You hired us to give you the the, the knowledge and info that we have, and we, we study on a regular basis. This is how we pay they make a check. So obviously, we're going to spend time knowing it. Um, we don't have time. The, when something hits the market, it's priced competitively. Even if it's a not so much priced competitively, it's still going to have multiple offers. It's going to go off the market quickly, usually within one or two days. And being able to let your clients know that and be aware that. You might have to do some some contingency things. You might have to uh, offer a little higher. You might need to make it a little quicker. And hey, that that's that's what needs to happen. I personally, I also will tell my clients, look, I work for you, so I will I will drop everything that I have in the evening after we've seen a house that they must have. And I will the first thing for me is to go home, get that offer done, draft it up, get on the phone with the agent, like you said. I like my lenders, Javi, Mike, whatever, to call the listing the listing agent directly. Say, look, you just got an offer in from these these buyers, so and so, and they're great people. We have them totally pre-qualified. We've been working with them for a long time. These are just different ways that you can help manage your client's expectations and then get ahead in that rapport as well. Of course. Yeah, I think and it's always important to kind of get the lender involved because a lot of the times huge. we can kind of do a second voice and we can verify exactly This you know, is where you validate your full, role. Yeah, you actually <laughs> validate that you've done your job correctly and you've screened them so that that way nobody's losing their time. And a lot of the times... We as lenders kind of get put against the gun where it's like, well, how quickly can you get this deal done? That's the number right? one question mm-hmm. realtors ask. How quick can you get it done? How quickly can you get it done? And sometimes that's what makes a difference. So that's why it's really important for them to be, be properly vetted mm-hmm. and properly pre-approved. And not just had someone just pull their credit report and say, okay, based off of the income that you told me over the phone, you're pre-qualified. It's always good to get those pay stubs, to get those assets, those taxes, returns, and everything in so that that way you have a full financial package for them. And that way you can guarantee that you know listing agent saying, hey, give me at least my 30 days to close this and I'll make sure to get it done for you within that 30-day time frame. Completely agree. And you know, for you buyers who are listening, um, obviously work with your lender to facilitate the document or you know procure the documents that they're requesting because, again, time is of the essence and we really need that in order to submit those offers and just be ready. Um, that's part of the, the building report part but um, going back to like what you said when we're you know when we're submitting multiple bidding awards um, you're you're we're not even talking about cash anymore I mean you're not competing with cash buyers like it was before you know like you're getting all these buyers who are buying cash and then they're flipping these properties in our price points nowadays when you're competing in like that 300 200 price point um, it's no longer cash because there's not a lot of you know there's not a spread for an after repair for a flip so don't think that you know that you're going to be going against like a cash buyer it's more so of like like a conventional buyer um, versus you and you know many other mommies because right now it's spring market right moms and families are buying now because they want to get their kids in a school or location of their uh, you know of their, mm-hmm. of their dreams before September or August comes because they want to be all situated so right now it's com- competition out there and so if you're not ready with your pre-approval if you're not building report these are things that are going to deter you from get- winning that bidding war. Um, so we talked about be, uh, building report and time is of the essence, right? Bill, make sure that you believe your realtor when they're telling you. Um, and again, these are the strategies that we're showing you that cost you zero dollars. Mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about like overpaying or paying a premium. Notice that we're, you know, a family friendly show here and we're talking about 
skills and just like things that your realtor should be doing for you in order for you to win those uh, those bidding awards. Because I mean, um, so what should a buyer ask from their real estate agent? Like when they're like, hey, you know what? We really want this property. We want to put in an offer. Full time. I'm sorry, and I, I'm going to sound again very snobby, but if you're working with a part-time agent, good luck winning bidding awards because I've had agents who are up at 6 o'clock in the morning showing a property because they need to submit an offer by, se- uh, you know, like 7 in the morning, and that's when their highest and best are due. Highest and best are due at 10, and you didn't get a chance to sh- see the property because you're at work and you're getting out of work at 6. That agent's not available, then good luck to you because there's no way you're going to win um, a bidding war when it comes to availability. And then that's why working with teams is also something Huge. that it's but- what about setting that price point in your offer? Like, how do you come up with like, okay, this property is listed for let's say three hundred and ninety thousand. Mm-hmm. Like, Carla, David, where should we come into so that we can try to get this property? Well, fair enough. I, I I'll give you an example. I just finished up with uh, John with the Mario Greco Group recently, um, and we you know I he had a great listing priced over in like East Humboldt Park area, and we my buyers loved it. John Dazdalan. John Dazdalan. Dazdalan. How do you pronounce his last name? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a beautiful name, Shout right? Out. It's a beautiful <laughs> name. Shout out to John. All right. Um, and uh, so we were so doing So we know him. So now you can say, listen, we know you. Give us a deal. There you go. Well, I have a good relationship with him. So obviously having a, a relationship with an agent always helps out, like mm-hmm. we had said before. But we, we were going into the, 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 the showing. Clients already loved it beforehand. Um, we went in there, just reconfirmed all their you know wants and desires or whatnot. And they price it very, very aggressively, strategically, just under that 400 mark, where you have other things that are in in that ballpark, like right there, like solid, you know, solid buy. Sure, there's things wrong with the properties that others might have better, like every other property. Right. But you go in there and you want to be the best buyer possible. So I, I curb my clients' expectations to say, hey, this is a great price. I get it. That's fine. But there's going to be multiple people coming in. It just hit the market six hours ago. You know, if you want to stand out and get this done before having to go into these horrible bidding wars it is my suggestion that we go slightly over it also is more appealing to the buyer to the seller to right. see an offer with another digit in front of it that they didn't weren't necessarily expecting so that's kind of the way that i played that situation and got okay. that done i don't know if that actually answers your question kind of but it does sort of, and i just yeah, want to yeah. add well, like to if the it the client wants a little bit of validation as to where that price point right so it's oh. like okay this is where this is where the property is listed you want me to go over like what would be a valid validation point for them well this is more of advice for both sellers and buyers right if you're priced right your property is going to sell if you're overpriced regardless of the fact that there's lack of inventories Mm -hmm. buyers are going to be turned off and they're going to be like okay how motivated are they to sell it and i'm sorry i can't afford it that's all they're going to be thinking they're not going to realize like let me go back to the office and pull comps to make sure that we understand what this property is really worth unless they absolutely love it and it's something that's so unique where they've been looking forever and this product is so unique you know even to price out uh, but your realtor is going to definitely look at the market. They're going to look at what has sold in the last three months. And I always look at a half a mile radius versus that one mile that your appraiser is going to use. Um, because, you know, Chicago has different pockets. And I don't know, like, you know, obviously our show is national. But um, different areas have different pockets. So I look at the specific half a mile radius of that right. property. And I compare apples to apples. Sometimes there's apples to pears. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to make adjustments. But we have to, you know, you have to be educated in the way that you comp out your properties. Yep. Um, because some properties now or strategies that people are employing is the fact of underpricing Mm -hmm. and you know if you don't trust your realtor and you're like why are you looking to you know overspend my money why are we paying a premium well the fact is that because sellers don't want to be on the market for a very long time and to leverage time on market they're going to underprice the property so that they can you know create that bidding war and make it more of an emotional sale and then get out of the market in and out right Mm mm-hmm 
So those are those are just uh, things to look at when you're shopping, uh, especially in this market. What would you say would be like the number the number three strategy? I think number two was kind of combined. Uh, time is of the essence, and also build a report. What would you say is your number three strategy that you want to give our listeners? Well, now we're going to get kind of into the technical stuff, in in my opinion. And I think in this in this aspect, it's always important. You, you, a real estate transaction is is done with a team, so you have you know your lender. You have an attorney and you have your agent. And also, just a tag team on what you said back there, a buyer agency is a free service, okay? So there's no reason why any consumer who wants to go out and buy a property wouldn't want the best. So a part-time agent or whatnot, you want someone who has a relationship, you want someone who's out there doing business and getting things done and knows the markets that you're going to tour in before you go. So he has a little knowledge as to, hey, this is priced a little low, whatnot, without having to take that like time. He's DJing, right? huh? <laughs> I'm very animated. <laughs> they actually do. So it's oh, okay. Oh, wow. But Look at that. Um, <laughs> so my, the, next, the next thing that I think is a very important thing to keep in mind would be contingencies. You have appraisal contingencies. You have inspection contingencies. You have these kind of things that are all uh, like in the contract or written language. We can't cross them out. We can't do anything. But they are things that can be modified in attorney review. And these are things that also can allow you and your offer to stand out and be stronger. So I don't know if you want to talk about it or you want yeah, me to go right no, into that. Go so, for it. So Javi, you can you can come on this, I, but the mortgage ahead, contingency, gentlemen. right? So right. the mortgage contingency basically is applying that hey, the property's gonna appraise out yeah. and that's the loan is gonna be, you know, given on that appraised value. Okay. Correct. So waiving that contingency What? Are you serious? That's scary. It. Very scary. But that's scary. I'm like does, shaking right now. Really? It does. It you does waive your mortgage in. contingency? Uh, well, first of all, I just give I give examples. That's our, our <laughs> job. Our job is to provide um, ways to get the deal done okay. and give give you know whatever. And I was just gonna say it's Taco Tuesdays. I'll feed you, but geez, okay. It's waving. Know what you're negotiating? <laughs> oh, lost. There you go. But it, it, it's Cinco it de Mayo. It's still like in Cinco de Mayo mode. Are you serious? You're waving the mortgage it's contingency. I, it, it That's happens. bold. It is bold. But you also, you, you, first of all, I don't ever say, "Hey, we're gonna waive the mortgage contingency" without explaining the ramifications to my clients. No, I get it. I say, "Hey, you need to talk to your lender also as to what that would mean." If you got a lot of money your in your attorney. pockets, exactly. and you can afford to keep this property even exactly. if it doesn't yeah. appraise out. Once it. in a while, you do get those buyers where mm -hmm. like every. Everything lines up, you know. Yep. They're W two. They're you know low DT debt to income ratios. And great I credit will scores. kill you, Javi, if you don't close that. Don't, that exactly. Loan. Everybody's going to kill the lender if that loan doesn't close. It's like, wait, yep. what happened? When you said this was a pre-approved buyer, mm -hmm. and now you're telling me we don't qualify for the loan after all. Oops. I yeah. went and bought that car. Yeah. If we're waiving contingency. It has to be an approved buyer. It's got to be an 800 credit score. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. No pre-approved. No. Approved. <laughs> Please. Almost cash buyer, really. Exactly. They have to have a lot of income. And obviously, that's something that you want to, like I stress very much so, the attorney and the lender need to be in that conversation. For sure. Without, without, yeah. without a doubt. Before you even that. submit anything. That's it. You've seen mortgage that? Mortgage contingency yeah, I've seen is that, pretty where bold. But the yeah, mortgage I mean, contingency, specifically, I've seen certain cases where they're even putting the down payment as their actual earnest Collateral. money. Yeah, they're putting the down payment as earnest yeah. money. So mm -hmm. that way they know that there's not going to be an issue with you know the cash to close or anything like that. And that kind of shows exactly how much skin in the game that they have. Um, in other cases, I've seen some real estate agents who do the, what is it, escalation clause, I think, uh, or somewhere there. So there's a lot of different ways. Eager beaver right here. Eager, Eager beaver. beaver. Right? Okay. <laughs> focus. Stay there's a lot of different ways that you can, <laughs> that you can really do that. So um, I always kind of tell everyone it's just very important to know and dodge your eyes. Like in certain cases, you have certain people who that will write a contract as is and then later on change their mind during attorney review that they're going to do a home inspection and a request for repairs. Well, yep. 
I'm sorry. If you entered your contract in as is, you know, condition, that's exactly well, what the contract would. That'd be the second contingency. Is the inspection contingency obviously right. that you would go in there and you can do an inspection if you want for your own good to know what it is that you're getting into and what you want to do uh, when you buy. But right. there, there's going to be no negotiation off of the inspection whatsoever, and that that contingency is you know null and void in essence. So. That's another way that you can play it. Love it. Strategy number three is waiving contingencies. I'm a little bit more conservative in the way we negotiate. Obviously, waiving your mortgage contingency is a bold move, but Mm -hmm. obviously if you have the assets to do it, obviously we encourage you to do it. But I would do it as if you were drafting one of those cash buyers, right? 100% tax probations, uh, waive uh, inspection contingencies, meaning you can do an inspection, but you can't go back and nickel and dime the seller for like repairs after you do the inspection. The inspection is just there to give you a to-do list um, of of what needs to be done with the property, um, and then you basically get you're getting that value in the purchase price. So it's not like you're you know you're losing anything. You're actually winning a bidding war. And they're still protected with the ten day attorney review if they do that, right? For sure, they can so do the inspection. Still protected. So if there is like a big deal killer or something like mm-hmm. a foundation issue or something like that, they can still cancel contract. Similar and to buying as is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. In one of my cases, I did. Um, they waived the home inspection, and I also asked them to give us a non refundable earnest deposit. So after they do the inspection. After you close that attorney review and you've basically negotiated everything, it's a solid deal. All you're waiting for is financing. At that point, they gave it a non-refundable $15,000 um, earnest deposit. But, you know, we're talking about a $500,000 price point. If you're buying anywhere under three hundred and you're doing an FHA loan program where you're only putting 3.5%, maybe just do like, you know, $1,000 um, before um, before attorney review and then the 2000 Wait, what? Well, how do you feel about the VA loan program? Do you guys frown upon it as much we as the FHA? We don't frown about any other pro- – we don't frown about the products. Oh, well, do you, are you concerned as much as like a FHA <laughs> as well really. too? Do you guys kind of treat VA, it as – no, we feel no? that it's a little bit – there's like more leniency. And, okay. you know – Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, and then there's like – you know, you don't have like down payment requirements. So it's like it's a given kind of product versus FHA. I realize that for both you still need to do those inspections, but – for some reason, in the industry, like we, we're always just looking for the deal that's going to close, right? Because our fiduciary duties are to the seller. So as listing agents, we're giving you advice as to what our sellers or what we're advising our sellers to do when we have these situations. I mean, you know, 3301 North Drake, you were there. We sent you yeah. the list for the open house. We had so many people at that open house. And, I mean, we ha- we don't we only need one buyer. So trust me, our jobs are really difficult because we got to select that one buyer. Mm-hmm. And if we go with one buyer and then say no to the other buyer, then we're back to square one if we have to go back and renegotiate this. So I'm not saying that I don't like a VA and FHA. I'm just letting you know that when it comes to getting a deal closed, we have to advise our clients on like, okay, this is a cash buyer and this guy is buying t- or this person's paying 20, putting 20% down. So like, it's a no brainer. Like we don't want to have to keep jumping hoops to try to get this property sold. And who okay. wouldn't want to go out with a VA buyer? I mean, they're a veteran. That's an honor. Exactly. Oh, so appreciate it. Definitely. Wait, yeah. how do you do okay. this? Yeah. Salute. Okay. <laughs> do that with both hands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So strategies we've covered. Um, basically, if you're shopping in this market, there is a lack of inventory. Duh. Uh, focus uh, building report. Time is of the essence. And then waiving contingencies. So what would you say, Mr. Javier, since you like... Jesus, I guess I jumped the gun, right? Yeah. <laughs> escalation clauses. Esca- what is an escalation clause? I don't know. I've just seen this range <laughs> from like a lot of different figures. I've heard some agents say, we'll give you $100 over your best and highest written offer. He never pays attention to anything we really do, David. You see this? <laughs> but can I have my purchase contract, please? <laughs> so Executed one. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, D. 
David, right, so escalation clauses. DL, we're going to break this DJ down. DL, break it down. <laughs> All right, so in, in, in layman's terms, I guess, uh, an escalation clause is, is technically not necessarily putting a purchase price in, in your in your pri in your contract, okay? There's there's some ethical questions I think with the escalation clause that Why? everybody needs to be dun, dun, uh, dun. because of the responsibilities that you would have as a listing agent or as other buyers and and how, I'm always like why how you determine <laughs> I know well, how I are you it. telling me what to do well, <laughs> determining what that other value was so once I once I explain it so basically what the escalation clause is is it's it's sort of leaving the price blank and it's stating we are going to offer you uh, X amount over your highest offer at the deadline. And then you can cap it, right, up to set amount, okay? So typically it would be like we offer $1,500 more than the highest offer you have in, um, and then we go from there. But the ethical thing is how you actually determine what the, the highest offer was and where you, they're, they're coming from the number. It's the highest so. written offer. So Correct. I want to see a copy of that la the highest written offer. And, and is, that, is that something that can be provided? I always do. I mean, I just like right. take off page 13 of the contract so they don't see no who it is. And then the obviously buyers, blank out the buyers yep. and then just they're only looking at the price, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, written offer. And sometimes this so works wait, for- Wait, can this be done? Yeah. Okay. You've right. you heard it on Market Overdrive. Yep. We're here to elevate you your real estate IQ. <laughs> yep. How to win bidding wars. I think that's the number one strategy that has huge. worked for me. And it's huge. You have to work with the realtor. So how do you that set that number of what that dollar, like what it's, let's say I go in there with an escalation clause says, I'm going to give you $2,000 higher than your offer. You and can do 50. he submits you can, his offer with a higher escalation clause. Then now we're with, fighting escalation bidding wars. Right? <laughs> All of a sudden, I heard oh. it on Market Overdrive. You can... Okay, so Love if it. your budget is really creative, right? Stick to your budget is what I say. So it, there's a cap. You mentioned that cap. That cap will be I'm approved up to two hundred, so that's the most I'll do. And I also need closing cost credit, so I need you know at least five thousand dollars back. So you know your offer is going to be at one ninety five net for yeah. the seller. Okay. But when you do an escalation clause, you submit it and you say my cap is to no more than two hundred. At that point, you need to call your re your lender because you're going to be waiving uh, closing costs. And if you need those, then you really can't afford this property. But a lot of Buyers always say, "What well, can we find out what it's going to sell for? Can we find out what the other person offered? Well, mm -hmm. if we could, <laughs> you know, we would be w winning a lot of them. But yep. um, escalation clause is actually one of the only tools that you can use where if – and remember, the seller has the right to say, no, I don't want to get into that party. Mm -hmm. I don't have to accept an escalation clause. We're going to accept the highest bid. Okay. Um, yeah. Seller is the boss. The seller the, deci decides what they want to the do. Yeah. Yep. Um, so basically, if the seller says we don't, we're not going to accept an escalation clause, give us your highest and best, then you have no leverage. But if mm -hmm. they're they're going to accept your escalation clause, you will see what that highest bid was, and then you can say, well, never mind, I changed my mind because I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we don't suggest that you do that. Never waste people's time. <laughs> but I've seen it done before. Um, especially if you know you want to know exactly what the other person offer. Otherwise, you're just going to be on standby. And, you know, like you always want to be a backup buyer. Don't, you know, like if you're going to continue to search, just say, you know, keep me as a backup buyer because you never know, right? They still have to do their home inspection and the other buyer still has to pass, um, has to get the loan done. So in some cases, there's issues with the inspection. And that circles back to, again, agent relationships, right? right. So you have a good relationship with that listing agent. And maybe put in your to-do list, hey, check in with this guy every couple of days. You know what the attorney review timeline is, five to seven days, whatnot, right. inspection. 
follow up with them, check in, whatever. They, if you have a good relationship with them, they'll also reach out to you too because ultimately everyone wants to get the deal done. Exactly. Whether it's going to be this buyer or that buyer, we want to get the deal done. Yeah, and as a listing agent, I always tell, um, I, I, would, I will accept an offer, but I will also issue a contingency that they have to do their home inspection within 24 hours or 48 hours because um, I know inspectors are busy, blah, 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 but 24 to 48 hours because that way we'll know like within 44, 48 hours if that buyer is going to you know start nickel and diming us mm -hmm. or if they're going to be asking for a ton of repairs, then I can go back to that backup buyer while they're still excited about the property because there's that crazy momentum within that week. Um, so we can try to keep a deal done because it's so difficult like people think that being in a multiple bidding war situation is great for a listing she has a plan b c and d already even planned that's what we do we work the you know a b and always c got you to. have to because the property's not sold <laughs> until when plans, right? you're at closing and sometimes mm -hmm, even right. at closing and you're signing that line um well you heard it it's an emotional time out there it's spring market and you're competing with a ton of buyers interest rates are you know everybody's got that fear of interest rates going up so everybody wants to lock down their rate and wants to lock down a property there's not a ton of inventories for the reasons that we discussed today and and reviewing the market remember we're in the trenches we're practicing every day so you're hearing this it's like what we're going through with our clients right. I mean, what has been one of your worst case scenarios um javi with these multiple bidding wars Honestly, um, you want I've, them all? No, no. I've seen, you know, <laughs> he works I've, with David Lotan. Uh, no, no, no. I actually see you know, a lot of certain cases where, you know, I'll get a buyer, you know, who actually submitted an offer higher than what they actually accepted, and that's where sometimes it kind of becomes a little bit of a tricky situation where you don't really know how to explain to your buyer why they didn't take their offer if there was the highest offer. You know, I know that's the worst. Um, that's where it's We've like, okay, well, it, I have really no idea because I'll look it up on, you know, Redfin or something like that and see that it's under contract and it's actually less than what they offered. And it's like, well, why didn't I win that property? It's like, I really don't know how to answer that. Yeah. yeah. For me, the worst is just losing. Yeah. I, 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 I don't losers. lose. I don't like to lose. I'm a, I like to win and that's it. And so losing any bidding war leaves a sour taste in my mouth for at least five hours. So, yeah. Yeah. I mm -hmm. always tell buyers to also don't fall in love with the product until exactly. it's yours. Like, exactly. you know, like I know you're like, oh, I love this one. This was my favorite. And then you start comparing everything to that one property. And so you're going to lock yourself out of the marketplace because we can be picky when there's not a lot of inventory. We have to be we have to adjust our wants. But more importantly, it's a real estate investment and you have to think about the resale aspect of it. So if you're going to overspend, if you're going to live in it and you're going to use it, you know, use it as your primary residence and then you're investing into, you know, your lifestyle style but if it's an investment property and i mean what even when i buy residential for owner occupancy i always look at it as a real estate investment no one wants to overpay for something you know right. and paying a premium just to because you're emotional and you want to win then you're going to go through inspection you're going to be like oh i don't want that look they got to fix this and then it just becomes just difficult to transact now how do you i know that this is something that where a lot of the times people have concerns anytime someone's asking for closing cost credits or anything like that for the seller right but uh, is there a specific, I would say, trend or specific maybe guidance as to what we're supposed to follow? Because in certain cases, I usually tell my buyers, try to find out what the net offer the seller is looking for. And then after that, negotiate exactly if you're going to need closing costs or looking to request for closing costs to be negotiated. Kind of get that net offer first. I don't like that. No? I <laughs> Me, if, I, if I'm the listing agent, I, I, I think that's shady um, when you 
I want everything to be disclosed up front. I don't want to ha hear this is our offer right now, and then after we've already agreed it and everything, now we're going to change the offer to go $5,000 higher because this and this and this. Then you're also opening the door for appraisal issues, right? Because that, it needs to appraise at, at the contract price, not at the net price. That it is what it is. So I, I think that you need to be upfront and, and, and honest with these things, and I, I think that if, you're gonna, if you need a credit, you should know this up front, and this should be in the, in the contract written out on that, what, 10th page or wherever it is specifically and signed and initialed and nothing comes after that. I just think okay. it's, I don't like yeah. that. And then remember, we were talking about building report with that listing agent. If mm -hmm. you're coming in there playing Sliding games with in. me, I'm going to notice it. I'm going to do it. And you know what? Somebody did that to me this market, and I was so upset throughout the whole transaction. Mm -hmm. I was just like, nope, you can't come back and see the property. Nope. Um, because I was so upset. They went ahead and hid a home sale contingency. Actually, it was a home close, right? Yeah. So it wasn't okay. a home sale. But, I mean, it is just so, it's just a bad blood when you start doing things like that because I took your offer over somebody else's because you waive your home sale contingency. I'm sorry, because you waive your inspection. And then you also gave me an, you know, an unrefundable earnest deposit or my client. But at the end of the day, during attorney review, this agent actually went ahead and said that they had to close on their existing condo in order to buy ours. And wow. I was like, absolutely not. And my attorney knew we weren't going to accept that contingency. So I'm like, oh, by the way, since you do have a contingency that, you know, even though we didn't accept it as a seller, you have to understand that it's there. So they also have to qualify for a mortgage because they didn't waive their mortgage contingency. So on a scale of one to 10, on a scale of one to ten, when you see a seller or a buyer requesting for seller closing costs, how much does it deter the offer? None. For it you? doesn't. As long as it doesn't affect my client's bottom line and net number, it, it shouldn't affect. I just mean, be it honest, doesn't affect hubby. us. So just, if you, you just got to be honest so because if you have that's the net, not. If you have a net number, if you have a net number that you're going to get, right? Then dump it right? above and my You have the comps, net. right? You have your buyer's, you know, agent tells you, hey, there's comps where we know that the value is going to be there, and we're going to be able to get this value. It doesn't matter. Dump There's it no up. form of like negotiating. Hey, well, if you want two ninety five, and I say three hundred thousand with five thousand closing costs, and the value comes in at two ninety five, then we waive the five thousand dollar closing cost completely off the board. Well, see, okay, so like case I said, case. the first week you it's see? emotional case to win bidding wars, but after a while, you've had that property on a contract for thirty. I tell you this just days. because I'm dealing with a first time home buyer who's getting Ooh. really creative. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm going to like come in as a lender because oh, I kind of have to you know, deal with this. You know, we're landing the show in like five. No, because I'm the one who's dealing with the dollars and cents Go as well too, and the conversation that's going to happen with that specific buyer. And I, for some reason, I get especially our millennial home buyers who are really nickel and diming everything that they possibly can. I'm talking about six-figure earners who are still looking into, can I qualify for down payment assistance, Javier? Like, no, because your income is already exceeding some of those thresholds. But they are trying to nickel and dime everything. And sometimes you have to just get creative with the way to make them work, just to make them feel good and make them feel like they're getting a good deal in the transaction, Right. And sometimes they are definitely aiming for this. Like they go through this Redfin. I hate when they go through Redfin agents in a lot of cases because a lot of the times <laughs> they're going. Out of industry. Uh, no, it's we just, cannot say that. That's a lot of the times. No, a lot of the times I haven't issued their pre-approval yet. Market okay? Overdrive does not support no. that statement. Well, this is just for me. It's this is just for me. Nice. I know, but this is just my thing. They have to be properly screened and properly vetted, <laughs> right? Not. I get pro I get contracts sometimes where I haven't even issued the pre-approval letter on this client yet. We just did the credit analysis and we're still waiting for income documents and agents have already accepted their contracts without an approval letter. Why is the buyer's agent showing them properties without having a Exactly. Okay, so that's, so that's what I mean. A lot agent. of the times when they're going to that's these online vendors, when they're going so to <laughs> online vendors, no, but sometimes 
as much as I want to refer them out to one of my preferred agents to say, hey, this person is really, you know, a leader in their marketplace or whatever, they're still, res- you know, residing to some of these online search engines okay. where they think they're going to get credits at closing or something. Oh, that's Because true. they're being frugal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of cases, they're still trying to get that closing cost credit. Okay. So what was your question contract. again? I'm sorry. I'll start listening now. What's wrong with getting a net offer? And then building it in there if the market and the value is in the marketplace for you not to have an appraisal issue or value I don't think David and I negated that. We like, never we've said not that. Said we that. Yeah. No. It just, it just to be upfront. And when you yes. attach that offer, don't write the contract price, whatever, but there should be a body in your email. Don't just send me an offer attached. Boom. Check it out. No. Let me know. <laughs> Give me a summary. Here's <laughs> the offer price. We do, have, we do have a credit in there, whatever, this and this and this. Be upfront. Be honest. That's the best way to have a good report in any yeah. business, but especially in this one with your clients and with the other agents. It's strategy number okay. one. We talked about it first thing. It's like you have to build report. One of the reasons you don't build report is if you're lying. Mm-hmm. I don't care that you're going to give, you know, we're going to give you closing cost credits. We're, as long as my client gets a net and as long as I don't have a higher offer, we'll work things out. But um, going back to your initial question is, um, you know, the, the lying to me about the home close contingency was, was a no brain, was like horrible. Because the person didn't waive their home, their home sale, their mortgage contingency. So obviously, if they have to liquidate that asset in order to get their debt to income ratios to be approved for a loan, then it's kind of like a loophole now because now they may or may not be able to get that loan. So mm-hmm. even though we we didn't accept the home close contingency, we still had to deal with that mortgage contingency. So, so you want the story. We want the story. We want you to be upfront with us. And then also, if you're a buyer. Um, just know that you know once, and I was gonna I was gonna say that originally is that once you're under contract and you're past that five day like of the emotional bidding war thing, then later you know you can go back and ask for more time to get that loan done. Um, but you know at, at, if the property doesn't appraise out because everybody overpaid for it and the appraiser didn't accept the fact that nothing had closed at that premium price, uh, and then the the your lender says the property is value at this then obviously you have a mortgage contingency that says the property has to appraise out. So then the seller has to adjust that pricing to reflect fair market value. So at that point, you're not like really losing anything as a buyer. You're, you know, there's always these checks and balances. But, you know, we're here to teach you how to win bidding wars. And I think that, David, do you want to go ahead and kind of summarize it for everybody? Yeah, let's we'll just take it from the top. So obviously we know we're in a seller's market right now. There is a lack of inventory out there because of certain values that haven't climbed up to a certain level that sellers feel comfortable selling yet. And so that leads to this market, which is very beneficial to those who can sell. Um, Some things to keep in mind is that agents need to have good rapport with other agents and with their clients, especially simple things like picking up the phone, answering, being attentive, knowing your stuff. That's key. Second thing would be the the um, the client expectations, managing their expectations throughout the process, um, being quickly. Time is of the essence, knowing that the offer needs to come today, not tomorrow, not next week, whatever. It's time. And then finally, Waiving contingencies. So we have appraisal contingencies, home inspection contingencies, and then the escalation clause, which is a huge winner. Um, and, but it, again, it takes a, an agent who knows what they're doing to, to make sure that goes uh, successfully. So Love it. And you heard all this on Market Overdrive. Please share our information. Um, you can find us on YouTube. But please check out our new website, www.marketoverdrive. We have reaction stream that you can basically just react to the content. And obviously, if you have a topic that we like, you'd like us to cover, let us know so that we can cover it on our next show. If you'd like to be a guest, also inbox us at info at marketoverdrive.com. We'd love to hear from you. One of the cool features about the show is the fact that we're all transacting um, and we are in the trend and so we'll give you, you know, information based on what we're seeing it and how we're experiencing it. Hobbs? 
make sure your agents and your lenders are communicating, <laughs> all right? Because one of the biggest takes that you are going to have to have is you really definitely have to explain exactly the way that we're structuring financing, especially if there's going to be limitations with cash or if anything is has to be structured a certain way, there's always got to be active communication. So it's very important that your lender, your real estate agents, and your attorneys are all working together in the transaction. Great show. And, you know, nobody's missing Nick. Are we missing Nick? I don't even know Nick, so that's what it is. <laughs> Nick hasn't been here for two weeks. Oh Amber God. alert. Yeah. <laughs> we miss you. I'm home. I'm back. <laughs> I said it. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, and we'd love to hear from you. And also, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, uh, Pinterest. We're on Pinterest, too, right? Pinterest now? Twitter. Nice. We're all over the place. It's Market Overdrive Takeover. Market Overdrive. God, you do such a terrible job of signing out. I know. Call terrible. your friend. Oh Amber alert. Amber alert. <laughs> Nick, I'm home. <laughs> Love it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, ciao.